Welcome to China Manufacturing Decoded from Sophist, the podcast where we take you through the major news and topics facing importers and manufacturers in China and Asia today. Hi again. Thanks for tuning in to China Manufacturing Decoded. Adrian from the team here and I'm joined by our CEO Renault. Renault, hi again. Hey there and uh, hi everybody. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thank you. Good. Better weather here in Europe finally. I think we've gotten through the winter mainly unscathed. Uh, how about at your end? Actually starting to be a little bit hot in South China. Mm. Uh, this is a bit scary because yeah, the bad season is coming up on us. <laughs> yes, uh, definitely hot and you know, by hot you're talking like mid to high 30s, right? <laughs> uh, not yet, but it's getting there and a bit yeah 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 a bit humid you know so not so easy mm. to breathe i oh, know well okay so in this episode we're turning back to a series of episodes we've been doing on sourcing from china specifically doing your own sourcing from china this is actually part 7 and so far we've been exploring you know finding suppliers for your own products uh, getting them manufactured improving your cooperation with your manufacturer now you found them we've been talking more recently about softer skills so that's things like building rapport with your supplier how to follow up on production that was quite recent whether you're going to be hands on or hands off mm-hmm. and so now we're at the point where we're working with a supplier who's doing our manufacturing and that's in process So the question today is Renault how do we develop these suppliers to perform better over time what what does you know better performance mean even so really we're talking about implementing some sort of development program so that's what we're talking about today how to develop your chinese suppliers so the first question is is this something which is actually sometimes overlooked by buyers oh yeah a lot of people buy from china and they think they're going to find a supplier hopefully everything goes right and they're very you know afraid of <laughs> any kinds of uh, of of issues you know manufacturing quality issues um products that are developed but are not that are not reliable you know and disclose changes of materials or changes of processes mm. uh you know long delays and so on. they're really afraid they want to protect their downside but they how to say they they usually don't look at actually getting their suppliers to be better at what they're doing right um mm. and as you mentioned first you know what is what does it mean to develop a supplier what what is their what does their performance mean well if you outsource manufacturing to let's say to china or to vietnam or to india or a country like this mm-hmm. and they so the manufacturing the manufacturer the, the product for you and then they either ship it to you or ship it directly to your customers or your you know your distributors and so on what actually matters to you well you want the products to be at the right quality and you want the shipment to be done on time or at least not consistently and very late mm-hmm. um 
you want prices to be moderate and you don't want them to escalate very quickly for no reason. Uh, and you want at least you know a certain level of service. Uh, if you develop new products for them, you want them to to have the capability to actually do the the technical work and and so on and so forth of so developing new products. All of this can be summarized in you know three or four KPIs often, and that's the performance. You know it could be I don't know average percentage of um, uh, quality defects. It could it could it could be um, you know, a uh, percentage of shipments that are that are shipped on time and things like that. So that's supplier performance. Now, if you are not very happy um, about a certain supplier, you sometimes it makes sense to try to invest some some time and some resources into and challenge this supplier and try to develop them. Mm. But sometimes uh, it's not worth it, and it you know you're just gonna waste your time. We're gonna cover that, you know. But that's yes. a very very important decision to make uh, before you you uh, you actually start to work on developing a supplier. But yeah, basically developing a supplier means developing a supplier's you know capabilities and systems and you know, improving their processes so that their performance, as I mentioned, improves. Mm. And and it, it kind of sounds crazy that, you know, you mentioned a lot of companies who are outsourcing production to China or other Asian countries. They don't actually consider developing suppliers because if you've, you know, if you've only been listening to this series of podcasts that we've been doing alone about sourcing from China, it's, you know, it's quite an investment of your time and effort to get to the point where you found a supplier. So if they are able to improve yes it almost sounds like mad not to try right yes it's like having a key employee and not investing any training in an employee not sending that employee to some conferences to uh, you know broaden their 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 vision about what's possible Uh, and and um, (laughs) and i i've seen a lot of companies think like a really bad boss the you know the really bad boss would say well mm. you know if we train the employee and the employee maybe even get some certifications and the employee travels to some conferences and meets some other people in the same industry you know maybe they will find out that they don't have a very good deal with us maybe they're going to get a, a better offer and they're going to quit <laughs> but th- th- this is really um this is very myopic usually um, because the, the new employee, uh, when when she comes back, can do so much more and actually share some of these ideas with the rest of the team and get the whole team better, right? And yeah. I've seen a lot of purchasers do exactly that with their key suppliers. Well, you know, if we push them to get such and such certification, such and such, uh, you know, better production equipment, such and such better systems, well, they will be more attractive to other um, or to other customers, and they're gonna notice it, and they're gonna they're gonna be maybe not so nice with us, and they're gonna end up dropping us, or they're gonna have it have us pay for it, you know, directly or indirectly. 
will, will you know costs will be higher because we will be in um, uh, less favorable negotiating position. Well, mm. I'll, I'll I'll leave everybody to imagine all the consequences of that in the long run. I, I think it's very detrimental to the importer's performance. But anyway, uh, it's it's their business to do what they want. Uh, here, uh, rather than explaining why, you know, as a buyer, you should try to develop your suppliers. Let's try to look into you know what what it includes. Yeah, and yeah, the first thing is really. When you do the sourcing for your suppliers, you already need to have that in mind. You know, first you need to make sure you select suppliers with the right profile that are a good fit for your company and for whom your company is a good fit, right? And when you find that, maybe the supplier, maybe their their you know their processes are not great and their capabilities are not great, and you know, they, maybe they're a bit small and they still have a lot to learn. But in the long run, they're going to want to to please you. They're going to want to stick with you and vice versa, right? And this is much more promising. So selecting suppliers with the right profile is really the very first thing that you need to, to keep in mind. And there's this certain, how to say, um, you know, leadership behaviors, let's say, that can be observed in a factory that really wants to improve. Because if you select a supplier that's, you know, very focused on the day-to-day and just putting out the fires in their operations and, you know, just like getting on and surviving another day, you can push them all, all you want. They, they, they would not see past the horizon of maybe the end of the month. So they, they, they will never really invest a lot of resources into developing their capabilities and improving their processes and so on, right? So you, yeah. need, to, you need to look for companies where management is, is sort of looking forward, right? And for example, what do they do with their profits? You know, are they draining the opera- all the cash out of the operations to, to buy real estate, in the name of um, maybe the, the the kids of the of the owner, mm. and and there's a lot of that in China, right? Uh, but this is really not good. Now, if you if you go in and they see, well, we've been investing in this, maybe this um, lab equipment and also this uh, this production uh, machinery. Okay, oh, you know they they do invest. They they um, they keep again looking forward, right? Um, they work to make sure that tomorrow is a better day than today uh, and, and than yesterday. Are, are they trying to maybe learn how to make new uh, product categories? Maybe how to master new technologies? Are they hiring some, some, uh, some engineers to work on new product development? Um, do they hire some professional managers rather than hiring maybe you know first the boss hires the wife and then hires the cousin and the brother-in-law and and so on and so forth and then when the 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 wolf family is in the business then they they you know they hire extended family members and some other people from the hometown but nothing is professional and everybody's just just working hard at what they're doing also probably working hard to um to get some cash out of the operation into their personal accounts uh, because from what we've seen, 
the, the you know nobody will steal as much from your company as your uh, your your brother-in-law hmm. <laughs> in China. Hmm. So um, this is really not good. This is really you know family family managed businesses are, are wow that that that's a red flag in most cases, right? But if they if they try to hire people who've been working in in other companies, in bigger companies, have set, set up some systems in other companies. Well, you can see that they will tend to improve over time, whether you push them, whether you help them or not, right? And second thing is when you want them to start making a new product, you know, typically maybe you, either your designers come up with some ideas or maybe you, you have your existing products and you want to transfer these product these productions to them. Um, do you just do you just send them the designs and say, okay, guys, you know, try to try to do what you can, <laughs> or do you actually do your homework? Because if the buyer does some of the technical work and has some of the technical expertise and passes that on to the supplier, well, obviously everybody's going to gain. So first, what is the quality standard? You know, this is this is the basic of the basics, but it's good to repeat it. Um, if they do not know your quality standard, if they do not know what you can accept or cannot accept, they're not going to put a lot of effort into training their staff to actually uh, to, to know what is acceptable to you. <laughs> okay. Mm. And then if you, maybe you've been uh, working with one or two other factories making the same product for you and you transfer that production over to them, can you help them, you know, with some of the lessons learned and uh, based on maybe there's like, I don't know, five or 10 serious issues that that happen on that same uh, kind of product and a lot of lessons learned. Do you actually help the, the new supplier be aware of them and set up a uh, maybe an FMEA or so, some other risk assessment based on that and help them set up the right controls, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, you know, do you help them set up the testing stations? Do you help them uh, nail how to, to control a certain process? All of that is, is really important. Um, and so it's, it's definitely going to help you avoid you know, very expensive quality problems. And usually when there are quality problems, it leads to shipment delays and it leads to also the manufacturer or maybe their their own key suppliers, you know, the suppliers of the components or the materials to say, oh, this is, this is um, you know, in China they call it mafan, but um, <laughs> very, um, you know, pain in the neck. This is a pain yeah. in the neck kind of customer. They reject a lot of things. Quality standard is high. I'm not going to put my work into question and try to improve the way I do the work to to improve the, the pass rate. No, I'm just going to count how much rework I have to do, how much scrap, and I'm just going to bump the price up, <laughs> mm. which is a, a very um, which is very easy to do and we, we, which is you know tempting unfortunately and uh, and you want to avoid that you want to avoid that so that that's the the first two blocks you know first are you working with the right kind of people 
Yeah. And number two is when when you transfer new productions to them, do you actually help them get it right? Yeah. You know? uh, because yeah, if you help them and they see that you uh, you make things easier for them and you know less confusing and and ultimately you know better quality means also hmm. a better better margin for them. Everybody's winning. So you already yep. um, this way you are you're scoring points. And they see that you are a good buyer, and if you mm. if they see that you invest some some attention to that some maybe some engineering time to 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 help them at this stage, they see that you are not going to switch to another supplier just just to save a few pennies, and then that's where they can in turn you know invest more resources into making sure everything runs fine, and that's really what you want. Right. So mm. that's um that's the two very basic blocks I would say. Yeah, help them to help you. I mean, it makes so much sense listening to it, and it's kind of connected with the past couple of episodes that we did in this series, which is being a hands-on buyer or, or not, and also building a rapport. And uh, that point particularly is connected there, isn't it? Oh, that I mean, it's exactly the same thing. Actually, it's exactly the same thing. What I just said is yes you want to be a hands-on buyer you uh, you want to be involved in making sure that the things go well and yes you need you, you want to build good rapport uh, because if they hate if they hate you you know if they hate your guts they're not going to to work hard to make you happy right <laughs> right it's gonna happen no no of course um, so and, and it's, it's the same in every culture, uh, mm. but uh, maybe in China it's even worse. Once they really, they really hate you, I mean, they can't even, they're too emotional about it. They will not even read your emails <laughs> or respond, right? Whereas maybe mm. some people, let's say in India, um, are better, you know, emotionally mature and, and, and can just take a distance from that and, and I would say, okay, mm. let's just pass this account to another salesperson or something, and then it's fine, you know. But um, yeah, be careful. <laughs> if they hate mm. you, that, that, that's it. Usually, it's the end of the road. Um, so, Indeed. So, um, if okay, what, once you've done that, what 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 are the next steps? You know, as I mentioned, you need to make sure your quality standard is clear, and. I would say the next step is to give them some feedback over time. And if you give them some feedback and a little bit of um, little bit of homework, let's say, over mm. time, if they pay attention and you also pay attention, they, they can only improve, right? As long as the intentions are good, uh, they can only improve. Because, okay, you set the quality standard and then you, you do inspections and then you give them feedback. And you get the you get the goods, and you look at them, and you get maybe also feedback from your market, from your own customers. If you spend the time to organize that in uh, maybe in spreadsheets with and, and with some photos, and, and say, okay, these are the ten most common quality issues that we see, uh, you know, and you feed all of that back to the to the manufacturer. Um, now they have something to work on. Uh, but then you need to sort of tell them, okay, what is the next step? Okay, this is the number one issue here. 
is recurring and it's it's hurting us financially. So, you know, corrective action plan or 8D, right? Do something about that. Um, you know, you have to do a root cause analysis and you have to uh, get all the way to, uh, you know, fix the problem at the root or the roots. Sometimes there's more than one root cause. They need to keep monitoring the effects of the changes because sometimes make a change and it has some other effects that might be even worse. Um, and, and, and once the effectiveness of the changes are confirmed uh, and everything is documented and everybody knows that this is a new way of doing things, well, you know, the, usually the same problem will not come back, at least not in the same way. Right, and you go through that cycle a sufficient number of times. Wow, you 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 know, because that's how production production works. You're gonna have some issues, but you work through the issues one by one, and you keep working at it. And the you know the biggest issue first always, and you you do the hard work, and um, and over time. You know the same issue is less likely, to, much less likely to, likely to happen, and you you do you know ten twenty cycles of that, and um, you know the defect rate should be much lower, right? Mm. Now it sounds kind of simple, right? But a lot of suppliers are just not capable of doing a proper root cause analysis, and that's sort of infuriating to a lot of buyers. But you, you know maybe you need to provide them some training now uh, maybe you need to send them to to some 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 classes about that i mean it's 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 such a widespread industry problem there there are you know there, there, there there's a lot of ways to train people mm-hmm. to do proper root cause analysis and proper addressing the you know the issues with the proper countermeasures and following up properly over time and making sure all is documented and retraining the people all the, the whole corrective action thing right from a proper problem statement what exactly is the problem then what are the symptoms then what are the you know the points of cause and then you know what what kind of root cause analysis root causes do we see and then for each root cause uh going through what i mentioned before you know a lot of people are in in quality departments but have never done that properly Mm. uh, which is sort of amazing uh but in um you know, if you work with a low-cost Asian supplier uh, and they are not very structured and very professional, you, you kind of have to expect that. So you need, to, you need to help them do it. You need to give them feedback. You need to give them pressure. Make sure they do it. Um, you might have to reinvoice some of that to them, some of the costs to them, so they take it seriously. You might have to, or maybe you reinvoice it to them the second time, maybe if it's if it's a recurring big issue that you flagged as a big issue, then maybe the second time you reinvoice it to them in full. So they take it very seriously that they have to do a proper uh, root cause analysis and proper countermeasures and so on, right? And this way you, you involve the managers, not just maybe the quality manager, because very often quality manager, just someone who can uh, speak English and use the yeah. right lingo to uh, to impress the customers and uh, and just do inspections and they don't really do anything uh, in depth but you you want to you want to involve a much broader range of people in the factory you know including uh, 
or production staff, obviously. Sometimes um, design and R and D staff. Sometimes uh, purchasing staff and their own their own suppliers and so on and so forth. So the way I see that is, you know, is a PDCA right or P, P, PDSA more and more they call it like this. Um, plan, do, study, and adjust. Right, um, and and these are cycles. You 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 plan. You take some time to plan. You 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 see the root cause analysis. You you collect data and so on. You see the trends. Then you do some countermeasures and you 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 study to see the effect of that. And then you you adjust as necessary and you document and everything. And then you go into that again and again and again as cycles. So I see that as cycles. And um, if it does happen as cycles and it's done properly, it's, it's really continual improvement. Maybe not continuous because continuous improvement means they, they would do it like every day. But if, if they do cycles, you know, from time to time, but they really don't stop doing it and they do it well, it's continual improvement, which is an ISO 9001 kind of term, but it, it, it is, you know, it is really paints the picture accurately. That's what it means. Mm. Um, if they do enough cycles of that, I mean, their processes have to get better, right? And then now, what if they don't do anything like that? You know, again, it go, it comes back to step number one. Are you working with, with the right people, right? And that's where if you see, no, we're not working with the right people, maybe they're way too big for us and they really don't care about our business. Yeah. Uh, maybe we are too cheap for them. Maybe whatever, you know, they, they're going in a different with a strategy that takes them in another market or whatever. They kind of look down on us. They don't see us as a long-term customer. Okay. Then maybe you, maybe you're not treating them the right way, <laughs> uh, but you know, probably you need to source a new supplier and, and at least you need to bang on the table and make sure they know that you're not happy and you're considering to, to switch away. Right. Mm-hmm. So that so that 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 point here um, was to give them feedback and push them to improve based on that feedback. So it's very reactive. It's very reactive. Uh, you wait for the issues and you push the supplier to do something about that, and you might help them. You might guide them a little bit. You might say, no, no, no. This you know, firing that operator. No, no, no. That's not that's not a root cause. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, the, 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 this is, you know, why did the operator in the first place do it, do it wrong? You know, um, mm. so you, you, you can guide them and, and so on, but it's still very reactive. Now the next, next one or two points that I want to make here is that if you're very serious about developing a supplier and you see that the reactive approach maybe doesn't go fast enough or it doesn't go deep enough, or maybe it's only about the quality issues, but you have some other issues with them. Maybe it's a capacity issue, maybe it's a cost issue, you know, maybe it's very long lead times. Then you need to take a more proactive approach, right? And mm-hmm. I would cut that into two separate approaches. One of them is, you know, go for the low-hanging fruits, go for some small projects, that will lead to some measurable improvement. And the second approach is, well, you know, go for deeper changes in the organization that will lead to deeper improvements in performance. Now, 
again, what, how much weight do you have on the factory? If you're buying 60% of their output and you represent probably, you know, maybe 90% of their profits, <laughs> and if you, you, you know, you keep growing and they see you as the future of the company and, and so on, you can push them around and you can say, hey guys, okay, we're bringing in some, um, some, some industrial engineers here, or, you know, some, maybe some consultants and they're going to tell you what to change, right? They're going to, mm-hmm. they're going to make a diagnostic about the problem and they're going to tell you what to do and you're going to have to do work through it, right? Then who pays it is always a discussion, but maybe it's 50, 50, 50% the buyer, 50% the supplier. Um, but if you have a lot of weight over the supplier, great, you know, go and do that and go and, and you know, get maybe some consultants involved. And then maybe the consultants will say, well, you know, the main issue maybe is the absence of a production planning system uh, and, the, 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 you know, all the supply chain management, you know, the, they, they, they tend to purchase very large batches. They don't plan properly. Uh, they keep too much stuff in a warehouse. They don't even look at aging inventory that goes obsolete and so on. Maybe it's supply chain issues. Maybe the cons- consultants will say, well, you know, oh, okay, a cost issue. And they look at it and they say, well, it's totally an efficient, you know, a labor efficiency issue. Um, they, they, they're working in a way that, that means that they have maybe two times more people than they should working on certain operations. And then they have mm. to re-engineer the, the manufacturing processes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? That's if you have a lot of weight over them or maybe maybe the supplier themselves, they ask, they're asking for help, but they, if they don't see themselves in um, a crisis situation, it might be difficult. Now, again, it depends. It always comes back to point number one. Are, are you working with the right people? Mm-hmm. If they want to, to soak up you know, on any learning and, and try things, and, um, and maybe they're very interested and you, 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 you find a way to bring them to a really uh, nicely managed, nicely organized factory, even if it's in a different vertical, making totally different kinds of products, maybe they can observe certain things and come back and say, no, no, look, it works like this over there and it's so much better, so much faster and so on. You know, if you work with that kind of people, great. You know, and as as I said, (laughs) um, with a lot of manufacturers, it's just not something uh, that will happen on its own. Either there's a very big crisis situation or... um, (laughs) or nothing's going to move, right? Mm-hmm. And I should also mention that if your purchasing department keeps squeezing them for, you know, to, to cut the cost and it's very, very adversarial, then they'll be afraid of doing things under your, your leadership and, you know, under your guidance. Because when you say, okay, guys, now we just, you know, we'll just help you... Um, uh, remove the need for for twenty people on the lines, and you know, at whatever five thousand five hundred RMB per person, that's X RMB that you saved for the next five years, <laughs> and that's a lot of money. Well, then your purchasing department is gonna are gonna jump on it and say, okay, give us the 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 the, the cut on the prices right away. Then what what's in it for the supplier? You know. 
next time you ask them to do something they're going to be like ah yeah it's not that simple you know oh, okay but um uh, wait we, we're hiring a new director of operations we, we, we can do that without you have to wait ah mm. uh, yeah you have to wait because da 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 right they, they're not going to do anything because mm. again what, what's in it for them right so in 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 a lot of cases you have to start with something small and tell them if you just change that you know that would be the the impact you would save costs and there will be fewer quality issues and da da da, da right and maybe it's um, maybe they have to invest in a new piece of equipment but hopefully you can just point them in a direction that doesn't require heavy investment because very often they're going to say, oh, okay, then help, you know, give us some ideas on how to automate. Okay, well, automation is expensive. And unless you buy relatively large volumes of just a few SKUs, it's not really going to have a big impact. Now, there's a lot of ways to do small projects, uh, but really you, you, you need to have a very clear idea about their, their main issues. You know, let's say, do a gap analysis on their operations and say, hey, you know, this, this, and this are big issues. And I would start with that one because it can be fixed relatively fast. It's got a relatively high chance of being successful. It's not going to take much um, investment or no investment at all. And, you know, um, so when you do a um, cost and benefit analysis, that's the, and, and risk analysis, that's number one. Let's start with that, right? And you sort of document the before and after. Um, so, I don't know. For example, a few years ago, I remember we worked with a, um, a manufacturer of ceramic products. I can't really be very specific here. In uh, I think it was in Chaozhou, in, in South China. And... No, sorry, it was close to Fuzhou, close to Fuzhou. Um, and they had very inconsistent quality. You know, and the, the way it's done, it, they, they, they do a mix of uh, several materials and, and then they, uh, they shape it and then it goes into a um, kind of oven and it comes out and it's, you know, it's maybe there's some paint applied on the outside. Um, mm. So... And they had they had uh, some some issues about some dots and some some marks coming out after the oven, and they were like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's normal, it's blah blah blah. Um, uh, on this kind of product, it's, it's not going to be hundred percent good. It's always like that, blah blah blah. Okay, wait a minute, guys, let's do an experiment. You know, because it, it was <laughs> pretty obviously not true. So. What we did is we we studied the um, the products once they were shaped but before they went into the oven, and we classified certain um, certain defects. There were already dots and and marks and things like that, but we had no idea what it looked like after it goes into the oven. So we took something like twenty or thirty samples, not processed in the oven yet. And that, that had some kind of little defect, little imperfection. And mm-hmm. we, um, we circled the imperfections. We wrote, you know, number one, number two, number three, and so on. We took photos of them. 
we told him, okay, now do a batch with it, you know, put it in the oven. And, and, and after that, let's, let's look at it. The next day we come back, we look at the, the, the samples, number one, number two, number three, etc. And then we could, it was very easy to say, okay, when it's this kind of defect, oh, sorry, this kind of imperfection, it will be a defect after the, after the oven process. Uh, but we, when it's like that, it's okay. It's not visible. So already mm. their inspection station uh, before the, the 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 oven could remove the the the, the samples and just you know throw them back into the mixing. So of course it has to be reprocessed, but it's not completely uh, completely lost. The materials is is um, is is immediately and and fully recycled. Now it's not great yet, right? The next step is to go back into the, the upstream process step and say, okay, what is causing those imperfections? Because uh, these ones are the ones that will have to be scrapped. And if they are missed in inspection, it means the entire product has to be scrapped. And once mm. it's been in the oven, it's, it's, I don't know, they were disposing of it somewhere at the back of, in, in the backyard. And then you had the truck from time to time, take it. And <sighs> I think they were, they were taking it to landfill. You know, it was completely, mm. completely wasted. Um, so, uh, and then you do some some work on the um, the machinery that's shaping the the, um, the 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 products, and 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 you try to to find patterns. You know what what is leading to those kinds of imperfections, right? But you can do it mm-hmm. step by step, and the first step, you know, it just takes a couple of days to set up a standard, and you put them like a library of defects. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you, you make a wall of defects like like, uh, an, um, like a file cabinet and you put an inspection station and right away you can allow them to save a lot of money because they catch the, the imperfections before they become defects, right? Mm. That's a first step very fast. Again, in a couple of days, you show them how to reduce their costs quite substantially because they, they, had, they really had a lot of defects. So it's... It, as if you do that, it's what we call a low-hanging fruit. It's not that difficult to do. It, it's fast. You can document before and after, and uh, and you, you and you can show them how much they are they are benefiting from it, right? And then mm. you see if they want if they're ready to to have some more uh, input from you, right? And you 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 take it step by step like that. But everybody benefits really, right? You, you benefit as the buyer and they benefit because their costs are lower. So absolutely, th- these are some um, general ideas, let's say, right? Uh, pick the right people to work with. Uh, make sure they understand the quality standard. Uh, teach them a few tricks when they start making your product. Uh, and, and, and it means the buyer has to do some work. Give them some feedback. Request some co- corrective actions. And then actually be involved in working with them and improving their processes and their systems. And it mm-hmm. might make sense to start on a very small scale. And 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 sometimes sometimes it requires, you know, uh six to twelve months of of, of hard work, uh reorganizing their um their their manufacturing processes, or maybe uh re- reorganizing their supply chain processes, or maybe both. Right. That's, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, supplier development. How, 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 you know, how to make it possible 
you know, before you actually think of how to develop the supplier. <laughs> that's what a lot of people are missing. But in most cases, you can't really count on your supplier to work by themselves without any input from you and, 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 and to improve their systems and processes on their own, unfortunately. Right. 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 So you really need to, um, to kick them a bit. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they need to, to be afraid of completely mm-hmm. losing your business. And uh, sometimes it's enough to, to get them moving. But in some of the cases, what you need is, is some, uh, some support and a little bit of pushing and it's enough mm. to, to, to get mm. them to, to spend a lot of resources. So you need to know your key suppliers, right? Um, yeah. So that, that's, that's basically the anatomy of a supplier development program. And I know it sounds like a lot of work. I love it when we get you talking on topics like this because you just can give so, so much really detailed and helpful info. And I know it sounds like a lot of work, but... If you can, if you compare that to ditching a supplier and then hmm. going out and starting the sourcing process from scratch again, and then yes. you know building up to working with a new supplier and all of the risk involved in that as well, yes. actually, might be this worse. does make a lot of sense. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The new one might be worse, so you definitely want to um, mm. to identify you know when supplier development makes sense and is possible, and then. Um, yeah, give it a try. Give it a good try, because the alternative is going to be, you know, high cost and late deliveries and <laughs> poor, poor quality and so on and so forth. Yeah, and and also just to make the point as well, this is such an important goal for manufacturing in China or Asia, and it's actually connected to why we even set up our own contract manufacturing subsidiary as well, Agilian Technology, you know, to, to actually embody this kind of behaviour that you don't always get from other Chinese suppliers. Yes, in some cases, it's it's been so frustrating to some of our clients to try to get things going with such and such supplier, and then they we helped them move to another one that was better, and they started to really... To, to have you know behavior issues and, and uh, information retention issues and so on and then you move them to another one and the same the same process happens again and at, at some point you want to take things in your hand yeah so I, I i i know a number of buyers who are thinking you know hey our volumes might be big enough we might want to set up our own factory and it makes a lot mm. of sense right mm. um or look for a western owned contract manufacturing facility uh, because some of them, at least, uh, for sure, uh, do embody you know, continual improvement. They have the right attitude and they, they really want to get better over time, right? Because at, at, at a certain level, it becomes a cultural issue. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay, great. So I will leave uh, the link to Jillian in the show notes if you want to go and have a look at uh, what we're doing over there as well. Next episode in this series... We're sort of keeping on down this path and we're going to be discussing how to obtain impressive results in quality improvement and cost reduction uh, from suppliers. So very much uh, a continuation of this kind of uh, topic. That'll be a good one, I think. And that's coming in May 2022. So in the next uh, several weeks. And uh, I think that's uh, a good a good place to draw close to this. But Renaud, thanks for going into such detail. Uh, really, really great to 
learn about how to put in place a supplier development program and what it all entails. Really good stuff. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks. Yeah. I hope it's helpful. Thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Sophie's Group. We're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in Asia, including inspections, auditing, new product development support, contract manufacturing, 3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot com, to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share because it will really help others discover us too.